0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Billy Watson TV. It gives me great pleasure to have a first time guest on the show. I just met him a few days ago and it was a great pleasure to do so down in Derby. and his name is Nick Ashcroft. So how are you doing today, Nick? Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Billy. It really is great to be here.
0: That's cool. So, yep, you, you were one of the organisers of the great, fantastic Comcast event, which I was privileged to be part of. But before we get into that, Would you like to give people just a little bit of your background, kind of where you grew up, and kind of your school life and education, etc.?
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay. In in this context, I I think the big headline is I'm a sound guy. I'm event tech, uh, sound and lights, bands, recording. That's that's the big picture there, and and how I drifted into everything that led us to to meet up at at the event. Of uh, I started working in uh, recording studios like ninety eight, ninety nine. mental situation I ended up in Portobello Road, London, so you're right in this sort of beating heart of all that, when there was still money, Billy. You know, this was still the days of <laughs> bands, real bands, having, you know, 10-year deals with money and money, money to do, uh, budgets to do, like, your six-month recordings and everything. So I caught the tail end of that, the, the golden age uh, Is this tape. like before, it,
0: uh, what do you call it that, Napster came in and kind of everyone could download music and the model changed, really.
1: Yeah, um... As I was just saying, I caught the end of tape, you know, when you you really had to commit to making a record and then the digital stuff come in, then the Napster thing. Quick diversion there, yeah, because that that threatened... Okay, this is the comment on how silly that the industry is, it, the record industry adapting it, and, and a touch of paranoia in this one because basically they thought napster and mp3s were going to steal all the revenue from people owning cds and what they failed to see was streaming that nobody would actually want to own any kind of copy so that went on for like five or six years of like everybody panicking say they didn't know what to do with the money or you remember all that nonsense with the uh, digital rights stuff on uh the first generation of itunes and all that stuff so, yeah, we went through that mill, and, and the joke is nobody seemed to see that streaming was around the corner and spent 10 years completely wasting their time on how to protect digital files. So, yeah, I went through all that, um, did a lot of stuff with bands, outdoor events. I love sound systems and setting all that stuff up and, you know, just just, just getting involved in, uh, in good quality audiovisual stuff. That's, that's kind of my story.
0: So did you go to university or something? How did you become trained in that stuff?
1: Well, a musician that
0: fell into it and kind of –
1: yeah, there's a lot of music. I play all the usual stuff, and I really got into programming. Um, back in the day, you had to... Programmer was... Okay, in contrast, most people have got some sort of recording stuff in in their room, on the laptop, whatever. That wasn't the case. You really had to have a bunch of kit you could take with you. You had to know two or three programs inside out, and, and that was my job as a programmer. So I was using my music skills, programming them up into sequences and things electronically in, in studio. So, yeah, I, I was... Music's my big thing, really. It's just that I, I right. enjoy the disciplines you get from that. Uh, quick diversion on the university. I was doing um, English and psychology and then uh, didn't I stopped two thirds of the way through. And that's when I moved into the music and got that job. The music thing was always on the side. It was just that I thought, OK, I'm running out of steam on this degree and uh, let's jump uh, uh, and, ship. So and that so was the way through. Sorry,
0: the Two-thirds is like quite towards the end, you know? You're, yeah, you're I
1: mean, always... I was I was running out of steam. It's the, the, the grades were going down, and I was thinking, where's this heading? And uh, that didn't sit well with the, the folks and everything, uh, but hopefully I've come good on it. And uh, like I say, got got involved enough in the recording world to, to see that one through.
0: So it's been studios and also... On stage, getting the, the sound right as well. You, you're good at that stuff.
1: Good enough. Um, you know, the, it, it's quite a cutting-edge thing now with all the digital kit. But um, I, I toured with, you know, plenty of UK stuff uh, around the world, really. But it's not something I'd recommend. It, 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 as much as it sounds glamorous and everything, it, it's really hellish. You age at three times the human rate. You know, it's it's a really tough gig. <laughs> and, and, and you begin to see why successful bands keep a very small bunch of people around them that are just family of it has to be these guys and if one of those goes down it's a serious job replacing them you know so uh you've got to dig in with one or two bands to to, to really make that one work and and i'm happy just dabbling in the studio and, and taking jobs there and doing the live event stuff where, where that fits out you know that's trying to strike the balance between all those things
0: that's cool so with this you've, you've been working for other people i guess where you, you're doing that independently freelance yeah. and if you've got your own company now it's pushed back your company how did all that start and come about
1: um, yeah, lots of the freelance stuff Most of us that have ended up working under the banner of Pushback Have got a similar background And uh, yeah, so we we found ourselves wanting to improve The uh, audio-visual side of all the, the anti-lockdown protests And we were just turning up to them because we didn't like it <laughs> We wanted to go anyway um, So it's the lockdowns well, that started yeah,
0: off awesome. I've, I've attended a few of those events where the sound was absolutely horrific you know, and it just yeah. kills the event, you know, you need proper, you know, equipment that people can hear your shit. <laughs> and, uh, that's it. That and, and that's cool. what
1: kicked in. Of, it's such a shame, you know, no matter what the event was, you know, guys like me, we'd be, uh we'd struggle to listen to something that wasn't correctly set up. And, and that's not being <laughs> n- nerdy or techie, yeah. Billy. That's like, there's someone trying to get something out of their brain into your brain through sound. Yeah. And if it doesn 't yeah. work that that message doesn 't get through, so there 's a real important thing underneath that and uh, so me, Stephen Carl just found ourselves well let 's I think we can improve the game on this and speak to some people, make sure there 's a budget and um yeah, that kind of peaked i don 't know two weeks ago or something we are at the uh, Fionas. <laughs> thing in london with like a 43 meter square led screen <laughs> arctic truck really? massive really? sound system and it's somehow it's all worked out so yeah we, well, uh, we came you guys
0: bring that i we knew that
1: yeah, we, that was uh that was Steve and Carl putting the most of the legwork into that and booking all that stuff and making sure it come together. And uh yeah, that was you know, in comparison to two years ago dodging the buttons from T S G and, and <laughs> <laughs> we had police liaison and it, it all worked out so right in front of the BBC. It was it was surreal, you know, peak yeah. surreal of like, I, I can't believe we're doing this and I just kept pushing the phase up and I could hear this, you know, Matt Letitia bouncing off Oxford Street. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was sorry, very first, surreal first
0: John Watt yeah. John Watt gave it a good bit of welly on the mic as well
1: exactly uh, if you'd have been a pedestrian you know 200 metres down the road there was no chance of escaping that one so we finally got yeah. payback for all the times that nobody could hear it everybody could hear it whether you were there or not
0: uh, you're inside the short buildings <laughs> in the toilet yeah. still <laughs> yep. that's cool man so that was that must have been some experience though I mean I was watching a few of the, the tours around Britain some of the speeches, um, and then the ones in London, I can I've got tears, you know, just even you know, goosebumps thinking about these people when they're talking. I can't imagine being there. I'd, I'd have been, you know, crying my eyes out because it's hard to listen. To just, yeah. you know, I've been calling a lot of these people idiots and stuff. It's just done out of anger and frustration in my shows, you know, for th- theatrics. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of empathy for these people that have believed their government. You know, whatever situation, I'm not looked into conspiracy theories they're doing it for everyone's collective good, the next thing you know, they're losing legs and stuff like that, you know, it's it's just so sad, and all the deaths with yeah. the White Roses get from there as well, and you know, these people have committed murder, and people seem like that's alright, <laughs> so anyway, that was that the only mm-hmm. one event you attended, or did you, did you do more on that tour?
1: Uh, not that particular one, no, we've, we've always had some crossover with the stuff Fiona's been supporting and everything. And uh, it just seems to come together organically of, uh, you know, when stuff's needed, we can always uh, help out at least.
0: Aye. Right. Yeah, so was that quite an emotional day for yourself
1: there, yeah? Yeah, I mean, you can, going back to the tech front, you can get absorbed in it. You know, you've got the yeah. phones yeah, on, I'm you're sure locked it. into your All signal, right. making sure All it's right. everything there. Uh, but the, it's the new guys that get me because, uh, you know, n- no comments on the, the stories you already know. But it's when you hear somebody you've not heard before, uh, yeah. tell you something horrific and and these people are destroyed you know they're absolutely lovely people having to deal with living hell <laughs> and um yeah it's a, it's a tough listen and uh it's i don't know where it's you say we just help out with the tech on that one of we can help you look yeah. and sound good and um and do what we can but yeah it's, it's it's never easy and you speak to these people and uh you it's certainly uh it gives you a benchmark of uh, courage and determination. And, and, you know, again, that empathy thing, it's, it's very difficult to really empathise with them. But you, you, you try and think, wow, that's that's a tough like thing you've
0: got there. I see someone, someone obviously talking on the internet. There's a guy, Adam Rowland, used to be a sports psychologist and fitness trainer and stuff like that. And he's, you know, his life's, he's in his bed most of the time. He's nearly dying every fucking couple of weeks. You know, he's like, lucky to make it through that one. And I don't know how they're doing it.
1: You know,
0: because yeah. I, I just—I think it'd lose the will to live. You know, it's fucking just to be thinking your rest of your life's like that. Oh my god,
1: uh, yeah, it's beyond. <laughs> and you know, there's a more uh, there's an there's an interesting side to it. A lot of these guys have kind of had a crash course in waking up to who was behind this. You yeah, know, so in, as well as having horrific injuries, they've got this eighteen-month deep right. end of like most of them have realised the history of pharma that they didn't know before and all these things you know that not only are they injured they, they've been spat out in this other universe that literally friends and family disown them even with the injury so it's it's crazy from every angle
0: well i've been talking to a few of them and i've been messaging matt Letizzi and people like that who talk about the the vaccine damage and i find it a little bit frustrating i don't mm. think they, you know they've got enough to deal with a lot of the vaccine damage. And I'm trying to tell them there, there is no virus. You know, and basically the lie is even bigger than what you've been led to believe. You know, and yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't want to look at it, but I, I'm trying to get the message. of you know, if these guys can understand, it's not that hard. Mm. They've a viral delusion documentary and get to grips with the, the scam. If they're on stage and understand that there is no virus as well, because yeah. some people think that's too hard to sell for the public, but the public need to know this stuff. I was interviewing uh, Alex Zek last night, and he's very passionate about getting this message out there. But yeah, as so I say, they've got enough on their plates, and they'll get bad if you mention no virus everywhere. That's again, all these people are on trying to get the message out, and they're kind of quizzing Matt Hancock on things like that. And then, but none of them mentioned, but Matt, there is no fucking virus, mate. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bugbear of mine, anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um. How did the Comcast then? You've got we just had an event there, Comcast in Derby. People like Andrew Lawrence, the Freds, right side Fred, and um, Katie Hopkins and uh, Phil Zimmerman. People like that it was a really fantastic event. And how did you get involved? What was your part in doing that? Was it purely the technical side of that or the actual organizing and bringing it all together?
1: Yes, it uh, started with the technical and then turned up being all the organizing and everything. Uh, okay. But it it's yeah, there's there's me, Steve, Carl, and then halfway through, um, we were on our knees, Billy, of like we could see the, the just the volume of admin that was we'd got the tech stuff sorted, but we, it's rare we have to do more than our own little world of, of planning and admin. And yeah, turning that into a full uh residential event, um we desperately needed help. And then um out of nowhere, Wayne and Charlotte appeared, you know, and he said to them, "We need some special magical people, and it could be you guys." And 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 they said yes. So it, you just filter out exactly the right people you need, and then suddenly you're working with them, and they're on board. And it's just seems like if you do it, you get the right people. Uh, just literally stood next to you, saying, "All right, then let's let's do this."
0: That's the universe's magic, isn't it? Basically, if you put something into action. And you just believe it and you've got that intuition. It's almost like the intuition and that's telling you it'll be all right, you know, and things will work out. But you have to trust that. And then you make the leap yeah. and you, shit happens.
1: <laughs> I, I find you've got to commit. You've got to put something on the line, you know, that could could yeah. be risky. <laughs> could be some yeah. investment that you really can't lose. And then as soon as you do it, honestly, yeah, the magical stuff happens and uh, you meet great people and, and we're all doing it.
0: Uh, so how, whose idea was it to come up? Who came up with the idea and how did it all start? When did it start yeah. in general? That uh,
1: well, in the background, me and Steve have always been, like literally the last two or three years, uh, planning potentially what could happen with large scale events and that crowd. And um, that's more, again, our technicals. of we go to all these events, we go to other people's events and uh, think, wow, if you could up the production levels on this, if you could, um, if we could take it to the world we come from. Uh, that's more the, the corporate whoring and the, the theatre side of things, you know, doing the big um, corporate events. But of course, they have to look beautiful and they look like a TV studio. You need the full tech complement in place. So same with Steve. He's more of a, a theatre background and but no less challenging on the tech. So we'd be at these events thinking this would be so much better if you could just raise the levels up. And um, so we've been discussing that for for honestly years and making plans and uh, Rory, our accountant, you know, just trying to figure out the numbers on this. And um, it just came to the point of, well, a whole, we had so many things on the list of uh, potential sites, themes of festivals, what might happen. Uh, And then this one came sort of rose to the top of uh, residential hotel Comedy and podcast seems to be the uh, the winning combination, and uh, that's the one that took shape.
0: So yeah, why, why the comedy and podcast? Why, why? Who had the comedy idea? Cause, yeah, because you're kind of kickback against the kind of woke stuff, and you know people like Andrew Lawrence getting banned and stuff. Were you guys aware of all this stuff?
1: We had tickets to Andrew Lawrence, uh, and then he was he was deplatformed a week later. You know, so it <laughs> it the, the the story behind this one is. They, the government, the media people, whoever's attempting to ban and cancel these people, they've literally handed it on a plate to anyone that wants to pick it up. You know, so in our case, we didn't have to look very far for a lineup or a roster because... <laughs> you uh,
0: just, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> on, just make a short list of who are they trying to silence and censor. And, uh, and two minutes later, you've got the phone numbers, you know, so that was that can't even take credit for that one. This is the weird uh strategy that <laughs> our over our they're not very good overlords, but you know the game they play, it's it's got so many holes in it. And uh so it was just reverse engineering of well, it, who are they trying to shut up? That sounds like fun. Let's go there.
0: Hi. Well I was quite you never obviously contacted me. I reached out because I seen the lineup I said, Pitt you never asked me on to that because I do comedy and podcasting and basically I have got 10,500 videos wiped from Vimeo and I've been barred and ostracised for fucking 25 <laughs> years. So <laughs> I thought it quite well. And it was brilliant because, um, you know, these people are getting banned. We are the ones that are kind of on the cutting edge and trying to get the real truth out there, and you know, and we're brave enough to put it on the line and speak out. So to get that energy of those people in the room and then obviously the crowd have come to see those people. So those people are, are very much... A, kind of super awake because to me there's the almost levels of awakeness, you know. There's the ones that kind of awake but then they're still believers a 99% chance of catching something or Q's gonna save us and you know. Right. But that that whole weekend was just a very high quality of um, you know, acts and people, broadcasters, and then um, the crowd itself, you know, you could talk to any crowd member and have a really good conversation with them. So it was a really good vibe. You just wish the world was like that all the time, you know?
1: <laughs> well, well, that had, had cropped up in our uh, uh, focus group meetings. You know, well, we do actually sit down and try and, and talk sense for a minute. And uh, we'd figured out, you know, we'd, me and Steve have been going to some of the comedy, comedy nights uh, backyard and things just to make sure we were in the zone of how does this feel, you know, because a big thing for us is, we've done so many events for people going back to the corporate stuff of like, you'll be given a clipboard looking down at going, this is going to be awful. You know, it, it <laughs> might've been, it, it, it might've been a good idea in an office six months ago, but it's not going to work. So like we've always been very conscious of that and wanted to be in, in, at ground zero. So we went to any similar events we could find. Uh, so in combination with the protests where everybody has to turn up and then basically run back for a train, similar thing will happen at a comedy club. And, picking you up on the conversation so you'll be at the bar in these places going oh wow this is a mental conversation with some crazy guy got to get his number and then everyone's got to run off and that's where the residential idea came from of well wouldn't that be good if we were all actually staying in the hotel or just one round the corner and the the bars open till four o'clock in the morning you know it it, and that's what we did so I'm glad you mentioned that because there was so I think equal value was just meeting crazy magical people having those conversations and you didn't have to be anywhere near the stage. That was just, you know, sat there chewing the fat well, with whoever was in front of you.
0: Yeah, the thing is, I don't know if these are criticisms, but here's some feedback. So the Saturday, it was an amazing day. It was packed full of you know, one quality actor after another. So you didn't want to miss any of them. So there was 15 minutes going to break occasionally. So that was when you were getting out, going to the toilet, coming back, having a quick chat with somebody, and then you're running back in. I mean, I mean a lot of people did stay out and chat and mingle. But I was wanting to watch a lot of the acts, you know. There was just so much. We were giving it so much value. It was ridiculous, you know. It was just... I didn't, I didn't want to miss anyone on the stage because everyone was that good. And then another small one was at the end of the night, I was wanting people to hang around more maybe get the party going a bit more. And people seemed to dissipate. But again, it was probably a long day and then um, people were going to their homes. So, I don't know, it just... There was an opportunity at the end for the party to go a bit longer on a Saturday night I thought Matt Hoy could have kept it going, or we could have, you know, because there was a good vibe there and then it kind of just dissipated. But, you know, apart from those two things, I mean, I'm not even complaining. It's just, I would have liked to have chatted more, is what I'm saying, and got to know people a bit more. But it was too good. Didn't want to miss the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I won't pretend that it was massively under control. It, it, it was I enough. to, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Who's turning up next week? He's the next week. Right, bang them yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was walking around with a clipboard, and I might as well have just. Put the, put the schedule in the bin every five minutes and drawn a new one we, we, i mean we, we had a an airline collapse on us overnight you know and That's that was true. my, my yeah, wake yeah. up call from david vance saying nick the, the airline has gone into a receivership and i'm stranded in <laughs> belfast and we might we managed to get him uh you know this is the beautiful thing the magical people people just help and we, we had someone picking him up from the airport um but yeah else?
0: Mr. Sorry. Does, someone else, does someone
1: else not miss it? Yeah, Rick Munn. That was, that was a big blow because we, we were going to open up with uh, Rick Munn and Darren Denslow, and they've got such a, a great chemistry uh, on the radio shows, and they don't do anything together. They live, you know, obviously Northern Ireland and, and Plymouth. So that was going to be the opener of just put these two guys together and stand back. And uh, Rick couldn't make it. He got the same thing. The the airline hadn't collapsed. They just started canceling flights on the Friday, and we couldn't get him rerouted in time. Um, So that's definitely one for next time. Of uh, those two guys, we we don't need a schedule. We don't need a script. Just give them a couple of microphones and we're good to go. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, anyway, it was good to get David Vance. I really enjoyed his the fact. I've lined up an interview with him, I think, on uh, Tuesday, possibly. But yeah, he, I like him because he doesn't look like he should be as switched on as he actually is. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just that like, you, 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 I got the feeling, be quite mainstream or a little bit, you know? Because a lot of these truthers are just still a little bit not full in the way, like, fuck government, they're all liars, you know, and, okay, and this is all bullshit. And he's right you know, banging the money. He's got that political background and the history of it, but now he's just can kind of see through all the bullshit. So, and uh, yeah, I liked his power. And again, every person you had on was amazing. We could talk about them all. Let's talk about Katie Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Who got Katie involved in? Yeah, I mean, I was living in Turkey, so I never was involved when Katie was kicking off in Britain and all was going on. I just seen the whole thing on the internet, you know, and it's all kind of puts it in a certain light or whatever. Look at this when he, he got a two minute clip, you go all right, she's a psycho, whatever. So I hadn't really I wasn't aware of her, but my girlfriend, she was a fan of her back when all this was kicking off. So but so my first experience was really her show, which was really, really funny and entertaining and yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed it and then meeting her after it, she was a lovely lady. So I've got a really good impression of Katie Hopkins. Then I watched some of her stuff and I came back here and obviously she's having to go with fat people and stuff like that. And she's you Know she's got a point in <laughs> a lot of things, but <laughs> a bit brash, but, you know, but brash, uh, but fair enough. The character, she does a lot of tongue in cheek with humor, you know, yeah. and the fact that she's been barred from everywhere that she's been in the attacks that she's been under, she's got balls of steel, you know, it's unbelievable. So, yeah. who had the idea to get her involved, and in, how did that come about?
1: My memory is that I think somehow Steve and, and that side of things had ended up with Katie's number, I think she she turned up at one of the protests and, and got on stage there. And uh, so there was, a, there was a, a background connection we could work with. And uh, yeah, Katie's, uh, I think, okay. I think what people might be failing to realize is that now we're dealing with Katie Hopkins version two. Okay. There was a, uh-huh. it, it, it's the old and new Testament here and, and people haven't realized version two's a different person altogether. Um, she
0: said that. I don't know if you were iconic or was it, yeah, she said about going around it, circumverting. You know, before she was a bit like me or whatever, you just ran straight on. That's mm-hmm. why I tried to do in comedy and stuff again. I still want to do it because you can say a lot more in comedy but not just being that fucking steam train. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's so she clever. What's that? She's,
0: reinvented, she's reinvented herself. Basically. Yes,
1: massively. And I think a lot of it, it's not a contrived thing. I think she had that brain operation and popped out a different person. You know, uh, she's now in, in this sort of buddhist uh, uh playtime situation not not really a buddhist i don't think but i'm just using that example of sh- she's now an absolute expert at playing with reality and people's heads and uh, yeah. underneath it is a really smart clever nice person but she's yeah. got that down to uh such tee of uh being uh a, a, she's such an obstacle for people if they try and get involved with her and especially this cancel culture thing. So she was she's still getting the rent of mob turning up at least an email, possibly in person, to gigs she tries to book for a solo tour. Well, she
0: and, had two uh, because you only got four of them left, I think, something like
1: that. That's you it. That. So, you know, she she's massively behind this principle of what if you just build the whole thing from scratch, you know, and, and remain uncancellable. Um so we essentially opened up her slot as a tour date. And that's where we, you know, uh, we got another hundred people in the room um, just for Katie. Oh, so uh, that was her idea. Like I say, she's, she's, she's so smart in understanding these situations. And um, everyone's got a lot of love for an Interesting demographic. And I don't think we quite had the crossover of they, the Katie fans don't like the cancel thing. They don't like the PC thing, but they might not be down the same rabbit holes that, Yeah, you know, so it it was just an interesting vibe to pick up on 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 who was there and why. But she's she's, she. You
0: see, that just because there was a different little bit of energy came in, and then when some of them were obviously left, but some bought tickets, and I'm not sure they bought tickets, and they knew what they were getting themselves in for. So (laughs) there was Paul Zimmerman coming at them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Phil's on Phil. You know, Phil is on a genius level. Of uh, he has to come down a few a few levels just to make it, you know, <laughs> understood by humans. He really is up there. And, uh, <laughs> I love this Bill Hicks. I like his, the, the Boris
0: Johnson the, the NLP skills.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing we've got. My personal tastes, I'd say, on that lineup, we've got Phil Zimmerman, uh, Intel Lady um definitely those two i'd say these are genius performance artists who wander into stand-up and wander into comedy but really they just they can't stop doing this thing Uh and they don't they don't want to be stand-up comedians they just want to do what they do and they've spotted how it has to be done and that's the nearest the nearest neighbor they've got is 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 comedy or YouTube channels. But um, I, I pick up on that straight away that they're not after necessarily being stand up artists. They're they're after they've got a vision to be a performance artist. That's the thing, and uh, we can bring them in t- to a certain degree for the show.
0: Yeah, I mean I thought it worked quite well. I mean I, I loved it. Yeah, I, mean, I loved the two of them. So, but yeah. again, not everyone's cup of tea that kind of thing. So mm. basically, I mean. Yeah, it's just the, the energy I got there, just that some people are going with the fox. <laughs> That's not at all about <laughs>
1: Marmite, isn't it? Marmite, mate, you've got to take the chance with Marmite and, <laughs> and see what's so, left over. <laughs>
0: so I, I interrupted you there about Katie, uh, just to get back to that. Can you remember what you were about to say? Just
1: um, keep well,
0: a persona kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so there's there's a Katie version too, which is is it's not the old sort of uh, what was the show, it was the Apprentice and Dragon's Den and all that. Like, that that version one of, of the biggest bitch thing i i think i think i don't think she manifests that anymore now she's got this really dialed in following they 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 love her take on things she does the katie's arms and it's a it's a master class in pr and you know i mean that in in the most positive sense of sh- she's returned the blow of being cancelled um in genius fashion and like yeah, I say circumvented all the people that tried to get rid of her um just gone around the whole problem and said I don't actually need you guys to, to carry on doing what I'm doing. Um see ya. So Hi. I tip my hat to that all day.
0: Yeah. And again, you mentioned that playful attitude um, in the interview with um what's his name, Lewis, an iconic. <laughs> you know, just at the start she's standing behind him licking his neck and stuff like that and just <laughs> being nuts. But that's the to me you nailed it with the buddha thing that kind of playful childlike thing yeah 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 it's fucking with the reality with him and keeping him yeah. on his toes all the time but in a good way you know it's just you're used to it, it's playful with it and just um i i'm a i'm a fan now you know so <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> and uh yeah anyone else that st- sticks out on the the bill you like to mention
1: um, I, I think we accidentally struck gold with uh, where Patrick Henningsen took things, and um, you know we didn't have such a master plan apart from put really talented people in the room together and make sure they can be uh, seen and heard properly. Uh, and Patrick went on a really good deep dive. You know, suddenly I was like, oh yes, this is, this is the good gear. We're, we're getting stuck into it here. Yeah,
0: um, I liked about the government being the ones behind uh, so mm-hmm. Pfizer, and that it's just like a front for like the marketing side of things. It's the government supplying all the vaccines. And he's going to know that I think yeah, yeah. basically it's hardcore as well
1: <laughs> yeah all that stuff and uh, Patrick rotated I think seven or eight different guests on, on his session and you know that went straight out the audio at least on uh, his show the next day Um, so that was a a nice thing for us going back to the tech front of we've managed to host a a really deep interesting panel with a heavyweight like Patrick and it's gone straight out the next day we thought well that's that's nice and being able to offer that and uh, yeah the Sunday morning I I know you was there but we we didn't know who was going to turn up to that and pound for pound it was a really strong show for I think we had 40 50 people considering there was only probably 150 proper ticket holders Uh, so I think we've we've Found there's uh, a real uh, thirst for information there. That it's you know you know when someone's landing it as a stand up because you can hear everybody laughing. It's a bit more tricky to see who's really getting stuck into a podcast <laughs> or, yeah. or or a media session, you know. But um, yeah. I'd love to go further into that. Yeah, just just high quality uh, information content.
0: Yeah, again, it's the quality of the guests, isn't it? Because like even you had the guy with the monkey selfie. One, <laughs> I can't. I'm not really familiar with that story, but my girlfriend was, and she was. She's a photographer, and obviously copyright. I'm aware of issues with that, and but basically, yeah, it was a really interesting story. To be the actual guy behind all that, and just the the depths that that story went to, was incredible. So to hear it from the horse's mouth, yeah. speak, you know, it was like a privilege.
1: Exactly. I, I didn't know that was coming up. I, Wayne had sent me uh, that story anyway. Uh, may, maybe that was in the pipeline all along. Um, but, just yeah, just a mad story. And there's stuff like that that, from an organizer's point of view, I don't want to, you know, you don't want to stay tied into the same bunch of comics and podcasters that are forever, you know, getting the yeah. same gigs.
0: Pieces, eh?
1: Exactly. So it's nice to get into stuff like that that you think this is so interesting, you yeah. know, it's almost uh, impossible not to listen to and, and, and get stuck into. And uh, same with uh, Gary McKinnon. You know, you listen to his story; oh, <laughs> you, you just can't leave it. It's uh, it's so just fundamentally interesting that you, you have to have to get stuck in.
0: Yeah, well, I did see Gary at the bar, and I gave him a card for an interview. I sent him a message on Facebook, not go back to him, but I would like to get him on the show definitely because yeah, you know, just wonder just the craziness that he went through, <laughs> <laughs> and he seems like a bit of a you know, conspiracy dude like quite well versed in it as well. <coughs> I like finding out new info, you know, that's why I get people, that's why I do these shows.
1: <laughs> For sure, yeah.
0: Get the people on because them, but yeah. I he was another guest, I mean, who else was on that panel? Um yeah, you had the ladies um who've got this card. Mm, What's yeah. this card all about this? Um it's kind of a strange one. They got into America where it says I'm part of the test group, they've set up a whole Whole website where they're the official test group for being not not vaccinated, yeah. And they've set up this thing where people are now going into America with this. That's quite amazing.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's a pushback for you. Of uh, I think all right. I think they're called control group. I think that's that's their proper name. And uh, so it it is the the actual scientific definition of the control group, which we don't longer have in any of the official trials. Nice work, and the they've yeah they've they are doing an amazing job i think i've I've looked i've not joined i've looked at the website they're basically allowing you they don't force you but they allow you to monitor your own health symptoms in comparison to those people that are taking products so they are building up some sort of medical uh database and uh and fair play to them just doing it you know just just standing there saying you know you force a thought into someone's mind there and if if that gets to the conversation of, oh, yeah, they've uh, actually unblinded the control group and given them all jabs, well, hello, <laughs> you know, that's – we're in a nightmare situation um, in terms of pharma development anyway. And I'll quickly add that in my um, years of corporate hiring for the event stuff that I was talking about, I was pretty much embedded with pharma for seven or eight years, uh, nice. pure accident, um, but I, I did all the Pfizer gigs. I did AstraZeneca, Lilly, um, GSK, a lot of them. Um, you're
0: aware of that time of the nefarious uh, business model
1: <laughs> not quite and this is again I, I personally I've tried to study going back to the empathy question of how do people feel if they've not actually seen this information and uh, I think going into that you know you suddenly it's just a week's work of like oh we're doing pharma this week and then it just went on forever uh, literally years keep doing pharma and um Going into it, I think I would have been aware of the financial corruption. i you know, I, I, that wouldn't have surprised me. But the medical, ethical, and moral corruption that I that did crop up, um, I, I left or oh, those jobs finished in about twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, and I'd left. Oh God, you know, this this isn't good. But my my sort of leaving uh, mantra was right. I'm never taking a drug with less than ten years public safety data. You know, that's. That's the what the lesson learned from this.
0: <laughs> and so then what's we'll start...
1: yeah, that? Yeah.
0: So how, how did, what made you realize at that point that things weren't good? Were you seeing stuff on the inside?
1: Yeah, um, the thing with being embedded as tech crew that you're on tour with uh pharma and the big wigs that they've uh, bought out from the NHS. So I was doing um all these medical education gigs, um which is basically a farmer sponsored um compulsory training day so in many disciplines professionals have to keep getting credits for compulsory training and the, you know I, I could the weird thing is billy i can sympathize with a lot of the measures that are in place they are, they are actually good ideas so you could have a gp that's not literally learnt anything for the last 30 years since they qualified so right. you, you've got to bring them into this thing of at least get some mm-hmm. new information in there mm-hmm. but um it's not really new information it's it's fully sponsored by pharma and they only tell you information that has a massive prescribing future. So that be, that became obvious. We're only ever doing diabetes, stroke and, you know, things that are lifestyle diseases. They love chronic disease. So the the parting uh, lessons I was, I was left with was pharma is not healthcare, it's disease profits. And I think there's a golden age when it was healthcare or at least a lot less toxic uh, than it is now. Uh, but now this is, this is the delusion that's in place. People think pharma, they think the golden age, they think, oh yeah, it's just big companies doing their best. That, that era is passed. And uh, now it's just disease profit. They love chronic disease. In fact, they have to manufacture it. And that's what happened on my watch of um, the disease that pretty much they manufactured during these tours was pre-diabetes. So all they'd done in that case was extend the diagnostics further down the chain to pick up earlier cases.
0: What do
1: you mean by pre-diabetes? Well, pre-diabetes is... You can be diagnosed with a condition called pre-diabetes, right? Right. You are very likely to go on to get full diabetes. And the testing's nowhere near as um, accurate as people think. It's just a bunch of tests uh, that keep going on, and then eventually you go, you've probably got diabetes. And and sure enough, they have, but there isn't a single... um, You do or you don't. It's a a very blurred area. Um, And then during, yes, this, I don't know, 2015 era, let's say... um, pre-diabetes appeared and the only reason i can see that was brought in is because it had a massive prescribing future so you can extend the limits of these tests for diabetes into less and less severe cases and tell these people they have pre-diabetes and get them Good straight looking. onto metformin yeah so you, you've got a cash cow straight away there and uh, so I saw all that stuff happen and thought, that's that's dirty, that's naughty. Uh, but, you know, you can stay out of it. You, you can probably avoid diabetes if you want to. You can just never go down that route. So there were all the lessons I'd learned of, well, oh, that's corrupt as they come. Um, they will invent disease. Um,
0: well, denying these vaccines, the ones that aren't dying from it, now they've got a lot of health issues, so they're profiting on the back end from that as well.
1: Exactly. You know, win-win. Um, the uh, the blood clotting situation is just got to be a cash cow all day anticoagulants um and yeah i mean that was so much of the time i was there is uh blood thinners was already a massive market um the, as soon as you go down that diabetes medication you're bound to have to compensate for side effects and it just went on and on so these were literally were um farmer sales days mm-hmm. under the guise of medical education for the nhs and uh it's a complete accident that I ended up on them, it just, I did seven years of them, I think, and uh, that's how I left, Of that's nasty, never take a drug with less than 10 years, safety data, let's crack on, and then, you know, one year later, the Wuhan virus, <laughs> right, I've got an idea what might happen here.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, I was a little bit fucking, to me, being down the rabbit holes for so long, from the get-go, I knew it wasn't a virus, you know. And yeah. then basically, it was obvious the way they play it in the news, you know, this is a big one, folks, strap yourself in for this, you know, mm-hmm. just, we're getting built up for something and then lo and behold, it all happens. And then next thing, you know, all these magical vaccines have appeared from nowhere. So you must have been waiting for that call and then mm-hmm. Pfizer and all these companies you work for, they're now pushing all this shit. So you played your part.
1: <laughs> that's it. And that, there's the funny thing. A lot of those skills we learned doing all those corporate jobs, we, br- we brought to our mad weekend. Of uh, ah, true, You know, that's the sort of set we need. That's the camera setup we need and all this. And uh, so there again, they've uh, accidentally handed us a lineup. accidentally handed us the skills, and uh, it, it, that's where we got to.
0: So what's your views on the state of the world now? Do you think these things, there's like a, a turning point? If you lost hope, gained hope, or despondent because, you know, it's kind of crazy the shit that's going on with regard to immigrants at hotels and fucking 15-minute cities, we're getting hit with this, that and everything these days, it's like psychological warfare on steroids, Mm. you know, um, you can switch it all off and we can all ignore it but they're still, you know, intent on fucking implementing this fucking shit show. What's your view on it and where it's going and how do you feel about I mean, did that event itself, did that lift your spirits? I know
1: it did mine. Yeah, massively. Um, as I was sort of commenting there, if you want to find out who your gang is, do something like that, you know, get, get an extreme situation with, <laughs> that brings people together. And uh, yeah, without a doubt, just uh, just being around the good people, it, it's it can't be put into words, really. And uh, so on the question of the plan, uh, it's a tricky one of... Okay, the, on the positive side, everything literally from the lockdowns to, to today. Um, and this is why we ended up getting called Pushback Audiovisual because, you know, Gareth Ike mentioned this in that interview he did uh, from the event. He's saying, once you just do that initial no and say, what happens if I don't? You know, you, you make that first round just a pushback of saying, no, I don't think so. Right. And then suddenly it goes away. You know, so I, I think... That will continue to happen. We saw people shouting in the council chambers about those 15-minute things. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if that gets – the immigrant situation, the island stuff, yeah, that that's going to get nasty. But the pushback, let's see, because literally everything, Billy, it's – if you just stand your ground, you seem to be winning. You know, it's it's all this –
0: to me, it's yeah. like these are like alchemists and they're like just got a big mad experiment and they're at the top of it with a big cauldron. It's like, right, what we're we trying now, let's drop in this into the experiment and see what happens, you know? Oh, they're yeah. fucking taking that one up. Oh, they're stupider than we thought. <laughs> another bit of fucking idiocy, yeah. you know? <laughs> when are they going to wake up, you know? No, they're saying no now. Yeah. Look at this. All right, so they've got some spirit left in them after all. Who would have thought, you know?
1: <laughs> well, this, this cropped up. Uh, it's a constant theme, but like. The plan, the the WF plan, or whatever layers are behind this, the plan, is it going well? You know, it doesn't seem to be that effective. They they are powerful, they're dangerous, but this doesn't seem like expert tyranny. It seems like beginner tyranny, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at them in person, Bill Gates and that, you know, it's fucking laughable. It's just the police and the army and the money that they create with thin air and their lack of organization and their lack of will to do something different. We've given our power away. We've voted them into power, and nobody can think for themselves. It's time to take the power back and realize we've got this powerful human spirit. And we can put that to anything if we put our mind to it. You know, that event wouldn't have happened without somebody's idea. You know, all these people have converged there from all over the country, and we've had an, an amazing time that, you know, all of us will remember for the rest of our lives just because somebody had the idea. And that can happen with lots, anything, you know. And saying no is definitely. The first first thing to their insanity and then holding them accountable for the shit that they've done would be my next step, you know. And you know, the whole system is set up for them to control everyone. Who's to say the system's the thing, you know? We're all involved in it through our legal name and all that stuff. There's so we have to at some point I think try and make a breakaway society or a breakaway, you know, I mentioned the revolutionary the tangent point, because as long as we're we're in their system with their money and paying their taxes. To be just replacing them with someone
1: else to do the same thing, it's quite a big leap for us to make, you know. But it, it has to be yeah. gradually, you know. Okay, yeah, there's I think okay, there's two points I've got on that. Um, there's a fundamental point a person gets to, I think, of part of the saying no thing is you then become to some degree ungovernable. They can always come and put you in prison and everything, but you've you've, you've hit this point inside where you you look at these alleged governments, uh anyone that seems to be the top of a power structure and you think that's mostly smoke and mirrors. And it to to get to that point where you realise that nobody's actually in control, it's it they are powerful people vying for control at the top. But it, it's more like anarchy than, you know, a, a secret uh club of elites. It's still a mess at the top to me it's all different
0: competing elite families or black nobility mafia families and all this kind of stuff they're literally criminals yeah. in a big secret club they're just fucking trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes and infighting amongst it but you know they're trying to they're more organized than us but still it's not perfect
1: yeah there's there's a there's a really good terence mckenna quote on this um there's nothing to do with his usual stuff on mushrooms and everything and and he's on about elite cabals and and what's really going on at the top and he says, the real scary story that people don't want to admit is that nobody is in control. Uh-huh. There's, still, there's still a psychological comfort in being a slave to a tyrant that yeah. they, they've got, you know, they're steering the ship somewhere. And McKenna's got his two-minute rant saying, the real story is that nobody is running the show. That's, uh-huh. that's the head. <laughs> no one's willing uh-huh. to pick up. And then that changes it again because you find half the internet is so triggered and bogged down in symbology and Illuminati and everything and for me that's easily manipulated as a, a stage show i'd freak people out all day dropping eyes triangles 33s the lot you know it, it, you're telling me that you're vulnerable to those sort of triggers yeah. so i i'd work that to the hilt of uh, if i wanted to create a bit of smoke and mirrors and uh
0: Some people even say that adrenochrome and all that stuff is if you actually take the drug it's not as powerful and a psychedelic as it is supposed to be and it's like almost like a sideshow to make them more scary and stuff like that, that's a Grum story. I mean, I don't know. I'm always open to learning more, you know, and somebody else had a different opinion. I thought, oh, well, there you go. Because, again, they're using these things to make them appear like the big scary monster, you know, the devil and whatever. They're pretty evil, right, enough. But...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, well, this is another, this is an infinite rabbit hole right here because you've got this, Is it a stage show? Is it real? And I think there's truth and lies in all of it. And the only thing you can benefit from is learning how you are going to deal with it. It, You'll never get to the bottom of really what it is. You know, if you're looking for this absolute truth of, okay, who's who's really the boss? Who's really a double agent? Who's a triple agent? So the skill set there is knowing how much slack to reel out and for me i've stopped dealing in absolute truths or anything i just let things crystallize i don't say that has to be mutually exclusive i can let both those stories go with the adrenochrome and just see where they lead you know it's a waste of time getting too invested
0: people in, don't understand you don't have to one particular point of view you can have two opposing point of views or kind of paradoxical, yeah, yeah. but you can still say that could be true that could be true it's just This word belief has the word lie in it and everyone wants to believe this book or believe that or believe someone else. But now's the time we have to listen to our own voice and follow our own heart and change our own consciousness. And when everyone does that, then the world will change. It's about almost like I do these shooting the shit shows where I rant with these memes and I don't really want to keep bringing them up because you're giving them power all the time, you know. I bring them up to laugh at them and say, look at Bojo now, this week, you know, whatever. But (laughs) really, we should be focusing our attention on what we're inwardly wanting to create and you know go and create that we're creator beings you know and like you get these question times everyone's in the audience and when are you going to do this you know and everyone's sitting waiting for somebody else in the in the chair and there's these four people like oh the labor tories well we might do this well but the power's in the the audience you know yeah yeah, sitting there waiting for these people to sort of
1: well yeah so we're back to this fundamental thing of taking or realizing your own power you know the the again the linguistics probably because of my degree thing that i didn't finish but the linguistics things always fascinate me of uh the behavioral insights team was a, a, a you know an absolute uh okay evil aside it was um a momentous occasion in the linguistics and brainwashing of you just you, studying it you go, wow you, you actually went there you said killing granny you know and it's it's so high level stuff so yeah we've got this fundamental thing of not trusting the people that you're brought up to trust and hey i i, I don't really like that i'd love to be able to trust these guys because someone <laughs> has to do the job you know it's yeah. i'm not fundamentally opposed to that and um then yeah we've just got to do the things that no one else is doing and see where that leads because it's it's up to us then and the thing you mentioned okay the the wf thing do you remember the trailer it turns out it's 2016 but i've only seen it recently the original own nothing and be happy trailer and it describes these like uh outsider communities yeah yeah and it it gives about 20 or 30 seconds air time to describing them it doesn't show you any pictures but it says there's some that are not like us and and they exist outside everything yeah and that's always baffled me of why why put that in there Uh, if you're going for the tyrant job you don't need to put that in there you've just given hope to a lot of people that they don't have to join in with this it could be a honey trap you just there's always another layer but it's it's odd so going back to the the tyrant job are they are they doing a good job are they winging it is the is there really anybody in control um, well, I'd rather spend my time heading towards the place I want to be and just see what happens, rather than you know be worried that it's it's going to offend somebody or the you know they're going to try and tax me or it, it's just you might as well, right? It, <laughs> let's just try and go there, see what happens, and we've done that much, and we'll know what again this pushback thing. We need to know what happens when you push it back. So far, yeah. nothing happens. It was all smoke and mirrors, you know. So let's just yep. just a compulsion to do that. And you know, uh I remember uh that oh, I think it was just Gareth again just chatting, chewing the fat with him and he said if you if you put a big red button in front of me that says do not press, guess what's gonna happen?
0: Hi. <laughs> <a presser>, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so right. I think sorry mate.
0: I was just gonna say I, during my skit I've missed out a bit. I have got this bit where I talk about being a polarity I've got a polarity responder gene. And basically, if I'm told not to do something, i do it. So I can't get behind the wheel of a car without having six pints and a couple of whiskeys, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: but, yeah. yeah, well, that's it. I think, I think doing, doing what you want to do in terms of... I mean, OK, let's, let's not forget, it was the lockdowns that really pissed me off. That, you know, that was before the jab situation.
0: Yeah, but they were just so, guidelines, as Matt Hancock's pointing out quite a lot these days. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that was the original pushback of, you know, I'd be going out in the car thinking, well, what is going to happen here if, if we try and get stopped and everything? Yeah. And nothing ever happened. So that was lesson one of nothing ever happens. You know, you'll be there. I was in, talking
0: a policewoman in the chip shop and they were saying, you know, everyone's staying themselves in their house. We're not fucking enforcing it. They had the chat at the police station and the, yeah. and the chief said not to enforce it. And I'm like, aye, they're all fucking idiots. And yeah, saying,
1: yeah, hey. yeah. But I mean, that, that hurt, man. That was, all right. It's now been eclipsed by the... The, the vaccine situation, which uh, not to take anything away from it, but I just want to revisit when we were really stuck in lockdown territory. That's a good
0: point, you know,
1: yeah. And that, to but watch people... And all
0: this, people lost the fucking their fucking income and their lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, we lost our freelance gigs for sure. I mean, I'm on, on a 10th of what I used to have um, because the everything just got restructured, sold off. Um, you know, there's guys that we've put 20 years into our game that... They're um brilliant at what they're doing and now they're delivering groceries and you know, it seems to work out for them, but it, it's it's really just knocked a lot of the quality and uh, it's just knocked knocked it to pieces, really.
0: That's a good point, actually. We are forgetting that. That was had a massive impact. It's fucking shocking.
1: Yeah, and it was tough, man. It was you're going out the house and seeing everybody do that. You know, there's like I say, the vaccine thing, it's 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 awful from every sense, but we did still have the choice to just say no, I don't think so. And um there was seemed like there was less of that in the lockdowns of like oh, you, did, you had to be the only one in the supermarket without the mask. You had to be the only one not doing, you know, the the stand there please and everything. And that was a bit of a trial by fire of all right, let's see what happens. Oh look, everyone, nothing happens, you know.
0: Well, I never I fought my work and I ended up getting sacked and going to a tribunal for not playing the game, telling everybody, the factory manager, the head of the union, not one person would look at any fucking evidence and they're all just yeah. playing along yeah. with it. It was absolutely fucking scandalous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so that's the comment you were making about uh, the trade workers union guy because they were in the building, right?
0: I basically I was had my union i called ahead of the GMBU and I was going to talk and raise my hand up. I mean, I could have got on that stage during that panel and told my story about what I'd done at the work, the fucking shit show I went through there, the fucking the, the legal tribunal was a shit show. The whole thing, the head of the union, you know, was sending every time the union sent me a message, I was sending my message back with all these links to fucking all the good stuff about no virus, mm-hmm. saying you're a disgrace, you should remove that coronavirus hub thing from your website, there is no fucking virus, totally ignored, just absolutely scandalous. I can't tell you how bad it was. You could go into it in great detail, <laughs> it's fucking shocking.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, they, and good point there that the information doesn't matter, you know. We're, we're completely oh. post truth there, so you've listen got to listen.
0: Yeah. I had a special meeting with the head of the factory, specifically organized so I could inform him of the shit show that was going down. So he wasn't happy, he sat down with that and my other manager, two of them in a the room for fucking. I talked to him for 15 minutes, told him we about Agenda 2030, told him fucking everything. No, there's no virus, he says, and they said what do you want me to do about it? I said, I want you to take all the masks down, stop the sanitising and, you know, make sure you stop the shit show and we can be leaders and set an example for the rest of the country because otherwise you're personally responsible for it now that I've told you this. And he said, well, basically, some people think we never went to the moon and the Holocaust didn't happen. So basically, I'm a fucking conspiracy theorist idiot. And that was it. I says, do you want, I've got two folders worth of information. Do you want them? He says, no, I'll find it on the internet. And that was that, basically, which is yeah. fucking
1: shocking. <laughs> it was a crazy time, and so there's there's a lesson for everybody that that again, the truth doesn't matter. It's it's just who's going to get the who whose story is going to win. And yeah, but basically that's it. Yeah, <laughs> how to work with that. So if you the, okay, there were some offerings made to us. I found if you confidently stood there and said, "Oh, didn't didn't you hear the rules have changed today?" of uh, you could right. you could you could swing that with anybody of uh, right. if, if you pretended to be going along with new rules um right. like i say poker faced and confident you just do it and you, then you see how easy it is it, it's such a cheap trick oh, that's
0: a good one you could say oh, everyone's got to hop today You're not hopping right.
1: to <laughs> <own."> <laughs> it's it's hop tuesday and uh, you know don't don't make me report you it was uh, it was that stupid so they offered you bits, and you look back now at the banging the pans and everything, and wow. So, again, some deep shamanic stuff there that, oh, that's, you know. Right. These people, okay, the empathy things here again of like, what do we do with all the people that are out banging pans? Bang their heads off the pans. But that's, that's <laughs> the, yeah, that's, you feel, you do feel angry about it, but, you know, that's, that's more division from the people we need to get on side, isn't it? So, here's that's the true. trick of like, how do we do this? What at what point are they going to realize that the it, things are not what they seem? And anyway, we can't get away from this fundamental thing: if they've got to go through some sort of baptism of fire that throws them out the other end, less trusting of everything they've grown up with. And yeah. however that's got to happen, you know, you can't force it. This is the thing: it's uh, they have to experience something. Yeah. That people need
0: to get to a state where it's affecting their. I mean, you would have thought the lockdown was affecting their lives and get vaccinated, but, you know, things are getting to a point now, again, with maybe the 50-minute cities or something like that, something's going to trigger them. The immigrants in Ireland, they've reached a line you know, I've been screaming from the rooftops for ages to fucking do it, but I guess people, are, everyone's on their own journey, you know, it's just, it seems almost like fated somehow this, though, I don't know, life to me, when you, know, you go through life, I don't know if it's because you're awake or conscious, but, you know, coincidences and synchronicities and it just seems like it's almost pre-written, but we have got free will within that somehow. It's like there's a grand plan, but you can kind of manoeuvre within it. I don't know. It's just magical, weird life. And that's why I think, you know, I don't really claim to know everything, anything really, because what do you actually know? Everything's inside your head and your perception. We're all living inside the room, universe, really. And, uh, yeah, you know... I think we just need to learn, that thirst for learning and improving needs to be installed in humanity instead of being passive, you know
1: Yeah that's uh, that's the trick of doing events like this or forming groups and, and turning up with people, you've, you've, you you've put that filter in place on society of who's willing to show up, who's, who's willing to put the time in and that, the journey to get them there would have involved learning stuff being open to new information doubting a lot of things they've been told and uh, it's a shame because uh I I you know I don't really enjoy being some sort of Che Guevara of, of digital technology or anything. It it's <laughs> it's not my thing, man. I'd rather just get on with doing good fun stuff in a yep. in a world that doesn't have these psychopaths attempting to to control it, you know. Yeah. All, all that pharma stuff is complete accident that I I ended up on all those gigs and everything and um there was the accidental insight that produced you know everything we've 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 led up to today. Well, we say it's an so, accident,
0: you know, but again, fate and all that stuff. You know.
1: Th- there we go. And and so many of the people you meet at these things, they feel like old friends already. You know, you feel like uh, this is an old soul. This person's like, you know, uh, uh, we we don't need any introduction. We just feel good together. You know.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a good vibe. That's how I, I just was in a factory job there, and basically I did not sink energetically with these people mm. and they've told me not to come back because basically I'm quite happy just because I couldn't, was, they were playing this really torturous, you know lots of young people were playing this black music these guys are nigger nigga pussy fucking nigga nigga pussy pussy <laughs> and I don't mind saying that on stage or whatever, whatever you know but it's just fucking come on it's the pits of the earth it's fucking yeah. torture you know yeah. and I'm having a yeah. full blast for eight hours and I start to mimic it in the background and did not <laughs> know how to like that <laughs> But yeah, like minds, you have to find your kind of tribe. I think that's what the whole shit show done in a lot of ways. You lost a lot of old acquaintances or whatever, and you've gained these people that kinda of sync up more and who who you're more in tune with these days, which is quite good, you know. So there is some been you know, it's a big wake up call, this COVID thing. In some ways it's like a blessing, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: exactly that's what i are saying that it, it, we didn't have to do any work apart from logistics and admin to to put these events together because we found the right people we found the right lineup we you know it we know we can and can't do it and and there it is it's massively galvanized the good people together and accidentally created some sort of you know there really is a bit of a guerrilla army there in the with this decentralized force that uses art and comedy against this reptilian hive mind and that's what I noticed is the genuine Achilles heel of all the corporate work I did for years and that mentality that you need to get a pyramid structure in place. And fair play, I'm tipping my hat, Billy, to make it work, even if you're good guys, you've you've got to have this very rigid structure in place. But the people who end up running that do, genetically do not have any concepts of art, the arts or comedy, all right? So every time they needed it in a show they'd export it import it to like you know uh, again put, put their people on it and say is this funny is this going right. to work because they just cannot figure out if it's yep. any good or if it's funny or anything so i think that i think that type of mindset hates the arts because they know it's a language they can't speak and it's very powerful you know and That's right. that, yeah they were the discussions of, of leading up to all this that uh, and Katie said exactly the same thing in, in, in her uh, iconic interview. The, uh, the jester is the only member of the yeah. court that speaks truth wow. to the King. Oh, and, right there, and so if we're going down the, uh, the Sun Tzu route of the art of war, well, yeah. here's a, here's a big lesson that these guys cannot work with comedy or arts. Huh? And if you can, if you can use that,
0: that's what I've been trying to do for fucking yeah. 25
1: years. <laughs> Make us interested.
0: Yeah. But was, that was honestly, that was a godsend for me. That was the first crowd that I could genuinely be myself and just like let it all go. I've done it obviously before, but knowing that the crowd were getting it, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And <laughs> well, that's it. It's, it's all been a byproduct of this attempted tyranny. And it's right. so funny, you know, Phil Phil Zed is going mad about this, that the, the so-called comedians missed two years of an open goal. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: by the cool. time we got into Scotch Egg territory, you should have had a show right. <laughs> at that point. You know, it's it really is the funniest shit and it's it's real. It's, it's coming out in the news. I mean, just look back at it. The idea now that Gove was giving you advice about Scotch Egg's Hi. <laughs> and the background to this was how to survive a plague you know it, it, even that feels like a foreign foreign world now of uh it's moving that fast and so silly that you know that's what i are saying what what else are you gonna do man like it, that when they give you things like that on a plate
0: <laughs> exactly
1: it's, it's, <laughs> somebody's got to pick that one up
0: That's true yeah. uh, it's just i think the onion was a, a comic or something I, I, Uh, website and it had to stop because it was satire in politics and politics became unsatirable because it was outdoing what you could actually make up
1: (laughs) yeah i I remember the onion yeah well that's it and you're looking at so many uh social media accounts that draw that line on the parody and you're thinking wow this could be a really annoying uh wokington or it could be a clever parody that's and true, if, right? if you know you're looking and thinking, <laughs> I, 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 I and I love that place. To be honest, that, I I really enjoy that headspace of uh, this is one of two things, and I'm, I'm not actually sure which. It, but that's the point we're at. Of uh, it's such a All rich, right. rich pickings of um, it, to separate the line of uh, is this real? Yeah,
0: totally. you
1: know, it, it's a it's a mad place to be.
0: Clown world, basically.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Uh, to watch half the people go for it and uh the uh, p- picking up again on, on one of our people intel lady she she I-, I love her because she's turned it in and back on us on the truth of community and most of most of her gags it's a shame she didn't do some of her targets because we were talking about that you have to know who they were to find them funny it's your charlie Ward, your simon parks and everything and we didn't you know uh, but honestly, I'm I'm howling with that stuff. It really is some of the funniest things I've I've seen in the last sort of decades. Knowing who her targets are, oh. it is the key. So uh, people like that, um, you know, we most of the lineup, and that's what I'm saying about getting away from this consistent thing. But they do a great job of tearing down the establishment. Uh, Intel, Jen, and and hopefully more people like her when they turn the mirror on us. I think that's twice as funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ridicule to be had within this as well. You're, you're perfectly yeah. right? Yeah. It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So, what's coming up? Do you have any more plans coming up in the future for another event, or are you having a rest now? And do you have a normal business to do, do this, like outside to normal businesses? Your pushback AV.
1: Um, this normal business for us is probably freelancing and and doing bits of the tech work and everything. And um, the. Yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, we, we were really pleased with that being a first event and uh, and getting away with 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 it so well that you, we're trying to figure out, okay, well, is there something organically leading somewhere else here? We threw a lot of stuff at the, and just seen what sticked, you know, yeah. uh, stuck. Uh, so trying to refine that plan of, is this hotel concept working? Would it work in a field? You know, just, uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, room to to follow where it wants to go to see what's really working i think the uh the podcasting thing could be a lot deeper dive than it is and all that stuff of uh do people want to spend what did we have it about 130 quid for the weekend and everything um just a mental amount of variables that even though it it sort of went well you're not sure why or there's no comparison Uh, so yeah yeah, just to speak to people, get some advice, and um wh- where do you think this should go? We could repeat the same format. Uh It's just looking at where we popped out with it and making sure it's uh, sustainable for everybody, really. And it's something that we, to make it a good foundation that we, we can grow from rather than uh, just guess, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've went through the whole thing, set it up, and you need about a bit of time to reflect on it. And um, um, I don't know if Iconic's, you should mention their uh, input into it as well did, did they come on board at some point towards the end or um, how did they get involved and did they agree to do the filming were you were you involved in the filming what was that um kind of because did you join up as a partnership or how did it work
1: yeah that's pretty much it the uh we'd, we'd put all the spec on our lot uh to film and uh, to run all the cameras. And then got into more and more conversations with Jamie, Iconic, and uh, was offering him, you know, little bits. And then it's his idea. He says, I think our guys can come and do the main stage and the media room and everything. And, uh, you know, music to our ears because it cut down on our crew, it cut down on our kit list and everything. Um, so the deal we've loosely got in place there is Iconic get the content, you know, with, with permission from the artists and everything. And, and they get to run that at least first. Um so it was great to hook up they they were such nice guys and totally professional you know it it was like we'd we'd already done this before really easy to work with uh funny and um yeah it's just one of those things that happened and uh hopefully everyone was a winner out of it because uh it just happened exactly the right time and of course they're a big platform so uh, it's really nice to to get a leg up there, and, and to say in partnership with Iconic, it's uh, it's a really nice thing to, to happen. There's no there's nothing in concrete apart from again, I think a, just a more of organic um, uh, recce on well, what happened here is it is it a strong suit? Can we take it somewhere else? Uh, you know, they're mad busy with. Um, all their stuff they put, all the content they put out, a crazy amount of stuff. And I think the big win there and the iconic thing, they're they're based in Derby and we were, you know, ten miles south of that. So um you never underestimate the power of being local.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it was definitely good to have their input. You know, I spoke to Jamie, he was a really lovely guy. And Lewis and the guys in the media team, they were quite a good element, you know, just Derby extra element to go and have a wee chat with them and yeah I'm looking forward to the release some footage already which has been quite good to see and I'm looking for, forward to seeing more of it and yeah I was just going to say if they, they give you the all the tapes and stuff you'll be able to look back at it back in it and you know because even me just coming away and watching the videos I took back you know you get a different perspective on it and yeah you'll be able to see what you think of it you know with the actual footage as well so that'll help <laughs> but I've got some footage if yeah. you need it but if you don't get it from them give me a shout
1: well happy days and uh it just a, again on a tech point there it, it's a really because we had screens down the, the room that uh, Gar- uh jamie was doing all the switching for and everything uh, and at any event and particularly this one if you're stood six feet away from the stage you, you've got one experience and then if you're you know 100 meters back down the room watching a screen you've got yeah. another experience and it's not necessarily worse but it is different you know, yeah. that feels like a TV show you're watching and yeah. it's got a different vibe and the way you relate to what's happening on stage, it's hard to put into words, but completely different. So, um, yeah, there's there's always these two worlds on the go of you can be six feet from the front having one hit and then look back at a nicely polished uh, video and it, it's all somehow different and funny That's in right, different yeah. places and it's got different qualities to it. So you never know what's going to pop out on the on the end of a video shoot.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I did go back the hall at the whole one point and watch the TV there. That was quite a good idea actually. Um, to have that for the people further back because it was quite a distance for them to see so well done, whoever had that idea. So you probably yeah. used to actually
1: <laughs> corporate horror, and again, you know, that all this stuff you put put screens everywhere so everyone can see everything. And uh yeah, just the usual stuff of um let's make sure people can see and hear.
0: Yeah, it was a very, very well set up, very professionally. The whole backstage backdrop and everything was done really well. So, kudos to all you guys for doing that. You've done a great job, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to any more that you put on. So, well done for that. Is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? You've got any business you'd like to promote your website or anything?
1: Uh, I think it'll be dormant for a minute. We'll try and uh, we'll try and hook up and get these photos out, and then give a quick refresh and thank you to everybody. Uh, and see where we end up i think there's uh just again thanks to the the very nice good magical efficient people that turn up to these things uh we had so many people offering us help for the next events and uh you know coming up to say hi and you know we think we can help do this and and it's just so nice to uh to walk away from it thinking your life has been enriched with uh, a load of great people so yeah we'll we'll be we seem to be doing all right with the Twitter account and everything, so we'll we'll put some updates on there as soon as we we cook up a new idea, and um and try and grow on on what's just happened. So yeah, we'll we'll keep you in the loop, Billy, and uh, the the OGs from Comcast One. We'll uh, see <laughs> see where see where we all end up.
0: Yeah, well, obviously you can't keep on having the same axe back all the time, but regardless, I'm sure it'll be a great show. Um, everyone that you got in this time was a, a success, I think. So. Well done for that. Well done for all your efforts. And yes, stay in touch. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Nick. If you hang around, I'll say goodbye to you off air. And everyone else, thank you very much for watching. Hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back on Monday and Tuesday next week. I've got David Vance, Richard Thrall, who are both on Comcast, and Matt Hoy as well, who's on Comcast. So uh, join me for them. Cheers now, Take care. Bye-bye. bye Bye-bye.